hello everyone and welcome back to Blood and Guts. It is officially week two of Catastrophe Month and I will let Genesis do the honors of telling us what what lovely feline we have all up in our ears today. What are we talking about? All up? That's... Okay, I'm glad <laughs> you ended that with ears. <laughs> what else would I end it with? I don't... Okay, you can't start with the phrase all up in our and expect me to land on ears. <laughs> well, it's well, it's true. We're all up in our dear listeners' ears. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Okay, um, the big kitty that's all, all up, all up in us. <laughs> um, okay, I, it doesn't sound better when it's when we say that we're all up in it. I'd I'd be all up in it. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> this week, I'm talking about the Sphinx because I love her. Yay! I know very little. What do you know? Nothing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm assuming it's Egyptian. Eh. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Got it. I know a little. What do you know? Nothing. (laughs) I know nothing. Okay. Well, Sphinx, general definition, mythical creature with the head of a human, most often, or it should also be a falcon, a cat. Or a sheep, which I've never encountered, but I think that's interesting. Sheep week on Blood and Guts. <laughs> <laughs> if you can find me one other sheep-related thing. I'm on oh, it. Dude. Keep talking. Krampus doesn't count, neither does Satan. I mean, whew, talk about getting all up in it. I'm on I'm on it. I'm on Stop. it. No, pay attention to me. <laughs> so there's there's a sheep goddess and protector of flocks. Um, cottage core. <laughs> um, okay, it's like okay. <laughs> there's, there's various sheep goddesses out there. Just know we could do we could do a sheep month if we wanted to. But they're not fun. They take care of flocks. Do they I... kill people? No. Honestly, if like a sheep goddess rolled up and was like, "It's time to die," I think I would laugh in her face. And then she would kill you, and you would not be laughing anymore. I think I would like bleat back at her like i would definitely die like that would be the end result but i would at least have fun true get a little get a little stroke of the wool in the- i need to stop oh speaking my God. <laughs> stop trying to get all up in anything <laughs> oh my god i don't know why i allow you to speak it is by my infinite mercy that i haven't smited smote you yet smote me don't smote me let's continue talking no. <laughs> especially because it's don't smite me you said smote first yeah that's the past tense okay let's keep welcome let's to english class from bloody guns okay i can't believe i've said one sentence <laughs> <laughs> sorry okay the beast possesses the body of a lion with the wings of a falcon, which are often depicted, like, folded along its back, which I think is just, I think that's nice. I it know. is nice. I just, I like I said, with, like, the manticore with dragon wings, I just like when it's big kitty go brr in the sky. <laughs> I, I love, because I love feline body shape, and I love that it can fly. <laughs> 
Yeah, I yeah. I am gonna give her a hug. <laughs> let her, I'm, let I'm her. Getting, I am getting all up in. Let her I'm like envelop say. you in her wings. Yeah, like like a how to train your dragon moment. Like oh. a big sky hug. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it's sometimes described with the tail of a serpent. So. Significantly less sexy. Uh, more like more. <laughs> Hello. Um, and sphinxes are considered almost always female beings, uh, with the head and often the chest of a woman. Girl boss. Um, most often they're known for posing riddles to anyone they encounter, and if a person can't answer or struggles a little too hard, they'll just get devoured. God. Now I can never encounter a sphinx because I'm so dumb. I mean, I'm sure you could get all up in that. I would not be good at riddles. I'm not good no, at riddles. No, you're not good at riddles. I'm going to tell you multiple versions of a riddle today. <gasps> you're going to see. Oh, oh wait. Oh, I'm so excited. Can I answer the riddles? Can I try to answer the riddles? Yeah, that's why I'm telling yeah. you them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay, we're sliding into the Greek history of this. Um, the Sphinx has the head of a woman, haunches of a lion, and the wings of a bird. All things that I personally prefer in women. Um, <laughs> in Greek mythology, um, they're mythicized as treacherous and merciless, who will kill and consume those who can't answer a riddle. Um, and this deadly version appears in the myth and drama of Oedipus, who... Lives a life full of problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget that it's him in this story. I f- it's interesting that this is not his biggest problem. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very telling. For anyone else, this would be like their big thing, the one big battle that you do. But no, this was probably like not even a blip <laughs> on his radar. He's probably like, whatever, man. I'll take a guess. And if it doesn't work out, this will not be the worst thing that's happened to me today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're you're probably right. Like, you know, the speech is probably like pounced out and was like, oh, I'm evil. And I just know the Oedipus was like, and <laughs> next. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Good. Oh, poor man. <laughs> um, Hesiod was the earliest Greek author to mention the creature and called it not Sphinx, but Phix. P-H-I-X. I don't know why, but I think it's kind of fetching. I do like it. It has a nice ring to it. I I mean, because visually, I mean, it's only like two letters different. I don't really care that much. Lady, Lady Fix. That does have a nice ring to it. I'm gonna get my fix. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but going into the one that you're kind of not really at all familiar with, the Egyptian tradition. Um, unlike the Greek Sphinx, which was a woman, the Egyptian Sphinx was typically shown as a man. Um, referred to in Greek as an androsphinx, which is it's the exact same creature, but just with a man's head, which significantly less hot and also boo i hate men (laughs) no offense to any men oh a little bit a little bit of offense to men 
depending on how much offense you take is how much offense you deserve. <laughs> right. Um, she was viewed as benevolent, but still with that ferocious, hot, sexy strength of the ma- malevolent Greek version. Oh, big kitty. <laughs> um, and they used to guard sacred spaces <laughs> to ensure that only those with a worthy heart were able to enter. Yum. Oh, so I would not be able to enter is what we're, is what the consensus is. Depends on what you're trying to enter. <laughs> um, both versions and traditions thought of the creature as guardians, um, and as such, they are often portrayed flanking entrances to, like, important cultural places, like, mostly temples is the only one I think of off the top of my head. Um, in European decorative art. Oh, I love European decorative art. Anyway. <laughs> Um, the Sphinx enjoyed a major revival during the Renaissance. Um, and later, the Sphinx image, which was initially very similar to the original ancient Egyptian concept, was pretty much just exported into several other cultures, kind of like anything ever. Kind of just gets passed along. Yeah. Um, and was often interpreted quite differently due to translations of descriptions of like the original Sphinxes and through the evolution of the concept of what a sphinx was in relation to other traditions of different cultures, which I think is kind of neat. Yeah. All these places got a big kitty and was like, what's she gonna do? <laughs> it's like, where's Waldo? What's big kitty doing? <laughs> <laughs> Guarding a temple? Yeah. It, that's such a good, like, symbol, though, like, outside a temple. Like, I would love to be welcomed into a place with a with a big kitty. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Even today, depictions are still generally associated with some kind of, like, architectural structures, usually with a place of social or cultural importance, like a royal tomb, an old religious temple, even now places like libraries sometimes will use imagery because it's a place... Where, like, they're not hoarding knowledge, but where knowledge is stored and generally thought to be, like, protected. So only those, like, seeking knowledge could enter is kind of where the legend took it. Which I think is amazing. Like, hi, Big Kitty. I'm here for a book about... I don't Big Kitties. Yeah, probably Big Kitties. <laughs> mm-hmm. The cycle continues. <laughs> um, so focusing more on the Egyptian origin... Um, do you know the largest and most famous sphinx? <laughs> um, it's the obvious answer. It's probably the one thing you would recognize with the word sphinx in it. Oh, like the great one. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, the great, it's the great, the great sphinx. Okay, I was I was getting really scared. It was like a no, trap. No, no, it's the great sphinx of Giza, situated on the Giza plateau, literally right next to the great pyramids of Giza <laughs> which speaking of which I still remember the day where I found out that the pyramids were like not far away from the city yeah like that one aerial picture I found that out way too late like, <laughs> shame on like the American education system because any photos of it that you see that are like super sexy de- like desert pictures are not pointing towards, towards the city yeah but I, like, viscerally remember just seeing that one aerial photo where it's like, city, 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 little strip of sand, 
huge pyramids. I remember just being like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that was a... like a four-day journey by camel. <laughs> like, they were like, oh, propaganda, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's on me, but not really, because that was a child. And I've never <laughs> been to Egypt. <laughs> um, anyways, it's the Great Sphinx, right next to the Great Pyramids. All these names are so clever. <laughs> yeah, they really they really thought out of the box with uh, this I one. love it. Um, it's on the west bank of the Nile River. Um, I think it's facing east. Um, and it's known to be a portrait statue of the, the like current king. And when I say current like at the time it was made um however the date of construction is not really known for sure um general consensus among egyptologists is that the head bears the likeness of the pharaoh kafra dating it to about 2600 2500 bc so a while a while ago (laughs) at least you know three thousand years ago yeah um, a fringe minority of late 20th century geologists have claimed evidence of a water erosion in and around the Sphinx enclosure, which would predate this specific pharaoh, um, dating it to actually around, this is a large time gap, but this is how history works, anywhere from 10,000 to 5,000 BC. So that time oh, has either Lord. doubled or quadrupled. In terms of distance away. Um, This is known as the Sphinx Water Erosion Hypothesis. Which I included because I... Like, this was touched on in one of my um, astronomy classes. When we were talking about, like, alien stuff. And I also think this name of the hypothesis is, like, beyond hot and sexy. So, however, it has, like... Little support among Egyptologists. <laughs> and, you know, contradicts a little bit of evidence. So, like, it's, com- I'm gonna swear, it's complete bullshit, but I, I love it. Yeah, it's so they like... Were like, oh, I found a little water erosion, maybe. And I think that this is from 10,000 BC. And everyone constantly is like, no... Good try. <laughs> you're you're trying. Um, but you know, most people don't really know the name of the pharaoh that it's even hypothesized to be. So that's how we all just know it as the Great Sphinx of Giza. Um, Arabs, however, <laughs> know it by a name that roughly translates to Father of Terror. Oh. That's a lot. I think um, that's a great name. <laughs> that's that would that's extremely intimidating. I feel like that name is like the direct opposite of Santa Claus. You have Father Christmas, Father of Terror. Like, yeah, that would definitely inspire fear in like everywhere. I love it. I am writing that down for like possible things to get like my friends' children to call me as they grow up. Father Terror? Yeah. None of this Aunt Genesis crap. <gasps> Who's at the door? Father of Terror. <laughs> but can you imagine old. can you imagine if you didn't tell like the parents that and it was just their child coming up to them and saying <laughs> Father Terror and then their parents had no idea who was at the door. Even better. What's wrong? I'm sad. Why? 
I miss the father of terror. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I were the parent in that situation, I, I'd start over in the kid department. <laughs> I'd be like, no, that's okay. Why don't you go see him forever over there? I'll just be in the car <laughs> driving away. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Any kid. Yuck. Okay. Um, the Sphinx continues as a royal portrait type throughout most of Egyptian history, which I think is much cooler than sitting down for, like, a painting. Like, just any one of, like, the English monarchs. Like, lame, I would like a Sphinx carved with my face on it. And if we're being historically accurate, you can carve my realistic breasts on there, too, if you really want, to inspire the people to inspire the people i mean they did do that a lot back then i yeah look i like that's like the next step up from like commissioning a bust of yourself like it's literally the same thing it's the head and a little bit of the chest but you slap that on a lion add some wings and maybe a serpent tail done i'm sold (laughs) i don't even care You'd be like, I will do this in exchange for, like, you stepping down from the throne. And I would be like, that's it? (laughs) That's all you want? Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know the type of money I have access to? Would you like $10,000 on top of that? (laughs) Would you like anything ever? Um, Many pharaohs had their heads carved atop the guardian statues for their specific tombs um, to show their close relationship with the powerful solar deity Sekhmet who is, interestingly enough, depicted as a lioness or kind of the opposite of of a sphinx, uh, which is a woman with a lion head. I am currently, I'm actually, that's funny that you mentioned that, I'm actually uh, rereading slash, like, currently reading for the first time The Cain Chronicles. So, and Sekhmet is in, like, the next chapter. Yeah. And I'm interested to hear about what, like, I don't know if you have any more on her, but it was just it's the way that they like depicted their deities is just so crazy interesting to me because they didn't want them to be like it was like both they wanted it to be both mortal and like a godly you know what i mean yeah i i really like egyptian depictions of deities especially because when you get into like the ones that now looking at them, you're like, this is so obscure. But I just like that they clearly show, like, what was important. Yeah. To, like, their people. Mm. I mean, like, they, I think they have, like, three or four different ones just for the Nile River. And us are, like, we're like, whoa, why so many? But, like, that's the source of everything. Of course you would. Yeah. I mean, that's equivalent of, like, I don't know, like, any Native American deity demigod for, like, the great lakes like yeah if you're around something that is responsible for access to like staying alive you're gonna personify that at least once yeah like at least once Mm -hmm. that's a fundamental of survival like times a thousand but i feel like so many people now like which is partially i think to blame like kind of percy jackson a little are very centered on, like, the Greek Roman, you look like a man, and you either have muscles or, like, an hourglass figure, and, like, that's fine. Yeah, Percy Jackson really, like, 
it it gave it gave younger kids a like a crash course on Greek and like Roman mythology, but it also sort of set up like the wrong expectations. Yeah, I mean, definitely positives, definitely some negatives. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I feel like especially when that's your jumping off point, it can be so hard to like even to go like that's why the Kane Chronicles never really took off. Took off. I mean, yeah. I mean, just half of the stuff in, like, the first book, like, they're even depicted as, like, kind of nasty. I mean, there's, like, I t- not even, you know, Serket, maybe, like, the scorpion guy. Like, the art of her and, like, what she's supposed to look like is kind of freaky because they're a blend of animal and human. But, like, Greek, you're like, oh, my God, it doesn't matter if you're the god of death. Like, you're so hot. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it's not, it like, they're rotting. Like, <laughs> It doesn't matter if you're it doesn't matter if you're like a literal rapist or anything. Like, wow. <laughs> I mean, which is also something just like, dude, like they all were. Like they're either siblings or it's dubious consent or something else. And it's just like this is just an element of these stories right now. Like it's mm-hmm. still not great, but it's whenever people are like, I can't believe like <laughs> there was a post I saw once that was like, I can't believe that the ancient Greeks literally didn't like cancel Zeus and I was like what are you talking about <laughs> I was like what I thought I was a joke and it wasn't because I read through some of the comments because I was ready to laugh at the joke but it was not a joke <laughs> mm-hmm. but I was just like what like yeah you're gonna we're gonna cancel Zeus yeah not a good idea <laughs> like also dumb oh my god Ugh. anyways um besides the Great Sphinx, which is arguably and literally the greatest sphinx. <laughs> um, other famous Egyptian sphinxes include one bearing another pharaoh's head, probably Hatshepsut, um, with her likeness carved in granite, which is now housed in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, which I haven't been to in a long time, but I want to, especially to see Big Kitty. <laughs> Um, there is also an alabaster sphinx um, called the Sphinx of Memphis. Never been to Memphis, but I'm going now. <laughs> um, it is currently located within the open air museum at the site, which open air museums are kind of hot. I love it very much. Um, their theme is expanded to form avenues of guardian sphinxes lining um like the approaches to tombs and temples as well as serving as details on the top of like the posts of flights of stairs to like the grand complexes so like they're everywhere and i love it i think there's like 900 sphinxes with ram heads referred to as creo sphinxes super fun. oh incredible i know why <laughs> I just like the Sphinx is such like a pretty powerful image, anyways. But like the ram horns add another level of like hard animal trait that I think just makes it such an interesting creature. Yeah. Like I much prefer the ram head to like a sheep head because a sheep doesn't really have like it's all very like soft, undefined features. Like the best you could probably get is like the longer ears, but like a ram. The horns alone make it like a more powerful creature. Yeah. 
visually. Um, they're believed to represent Ammon. Um, they were built in Thebes, where his cult was the strongest. Go cults. Um, no, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> no, don't go cults. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Cut the cameras. Um, at Karnak, each cryosphinx is fronted by a full-length statue of the pharaoh. Um, and overall, the greatest task of these sphinxes was to hold back the forces of evil. Nice. I know. I love when the forces of evil are held back. <laughs> um, overall, the Great Sphinx and other sphinxes has become pretty much an emblem of Egypt, uh, frequently appearing on stamps, coins, official documents. Um, and in Egyptian myth, um, kind of unlike the Greek myth, the Sphinx is more of a symbol than an individual identity. Um, it's just represented as a guardian figure, protector of pyramids, um, scourge of like the enemies of Ra, the sun god, um, and also generally represented the pharaoh and his divine power. Um, sometimes with the face, just as we covered, carved and or painted in order to resemble a particular pharaoh. Um, and the Sphinx was the emblem of the ancient city-state of Chios. Um, it appeared on the seals and the obverse side of coins from the 6th century BC until the 3rd century AD. Interesting. Dropping drop some history <laughs> on you. Yeah, you came here for a monster. <laughs> Stay for the, the art history. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving now into the Greek origin. Um, so around like 1600 BC, the Sphinx first appeared in the Greek world. Um, objects from Crete at the end of the Middle Minoan period and from shaft graves at Mycenae um, throughout the late Hellenic Age showed that the Sphinx was characteristically had some wings, which is great. I love when big kitty go burr in the sky. Okay, we already covered this. Um, although derived initially from the Asian Sphinx, the Greek examples were not identical. Um, they customarily wore like a flat cap with a flame-like projection on top, um, but nothing in their context connected them with later legends, and their meaning remains pretty much unknown. So <laughs> these objects from Crete just kind of are there, and that's all we got. <laughs> we know that they're there. We, we, we know that they exist. Yeah. We know that they're right there because we see them, but that's it. <laughs> that's all we have. Which I think is very admirable. I think I think sometimes that's all we need to know. <laughs> sometimes it's sometimes it's all you need. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we don't deserve knowledge. Okay? The Sphinx has taught us that. Our art has to be worthy. Um, Before the time that Alexander the Great occupied Egypt, the Greek name Sphinx was already generally applied. Um, Herodotus called ram-headed sphinxes, cryosphinxes, as we covered, and then hawk-headed ones, hierico-sphinxes. Aw. Which I I love, love because that's, like, almost a griffin, but, like, it's not an eagle, so they're like, ah. (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. But it definitely makes it, like, more sense for it to be a hawk, considering, like, from Egypt, Horus alone, like, they didn't really do a whole lot with eagles. Eagles is definitely, like, a Greek thing. Mm-hmm. And it'd be so funny, like, they're birds. But, like, if you gave me, like, a hawk and eagle, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Eagles, 
degree. So, like, <laughs> and what do I know? I know nothing. But what I do know is <laughs> I continue with information that I know. Um, the word sphinx comes from Greek. Super fun. Um, it is associated by folk etymology with a verb meaning to squeeze, to bind, or like to tighten. Um, and the name may be derived from the fact that in a pride of lions, the lionesses are the hunters. Um, hashtag girl boss. Um, <laughs> who actually tend to kill their prey by strangulation. I don't know if you know this. But they will bite the throat of their prey and just hold them down until they die. That sounds absolutely horrible. Yes. But so that's why, like, folk etymology, it's like, oh, they're pretty much choking them out, so why not apply this word to something that's mostly a lion? <laughs> like, done. Um, interestingly, the word sphincter comes from the same root. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't know before I wrote this, but makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially when, like, I read this part, like, visually, I was like, oh course it does like what yeah. else would so literally only missing the x and the word sphinx would be in this um however the historian susan wise bauer suggests that the word sphinx was instead a greek corruption of the egyptian name shispunk meaning living image um this referred to the statue of the sphinx rather than like the monster um, and it meant it just meant that it was carved out of what is called living rock, which just means that it was rock that was present like at the construction site, not rock that was harvested and brought from someplace else. Which okay, that's the, okay, that's that archaeology, which yeah. I think is like cool, like living rock. What a cool way to just say that like you kind of just birthed it from the area that it stays in. Like that's such a cool idea. Yeah. Because, like, instead you're taking something foreign and just placing it there. Like, the same thing as going out to the store and buying it. Whereas, like, living image is, like, this is a rock outside your house and you carve it down to form something else. Like, it was born there. And I think that's awesome. Moving a little back into general Greek stuff like we said before on like Egyptian mythology the Greek Sphinx was absolutely just a monster described as a unique demon of destruction and bad luck so kind of ironic that she was killed by Oedipus because woo talk about bad luck yeah um Apollodorus describes the Sphinx as having a woman's face and just um and the body and tail of a lion and the wings of a bird um, Pliny the Elder mentions that Ethiopia produces plenty of sphinxes, um, often with brown hair and breasts, and this is generally corroborated by 20th century archaeologists who are discovering like artifacts and icons proving this was thought to be true. Um, Statius, who was a Roman poet and Dante's guide in the purgatory section of the Divine Comedy, um, describes the beast as a winged monster. Um, with pallid cheeks, eyes tainted with corruption, plumes clotted with gore, and with talons on livid hands. Sometimes uh, her wings were specified to be those of an eagle, and the tail was specified to be serpent-headed. Which, okay. like, geez, just when you thought it couldn't get worse. I feel like anything that has, like, a tail that's, like, another creature, it's just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's just terrifying. Like, you're giving me nothing. 
like at least mandatory wise throwing it back to next week like it still sucked like it was a not a good tale in terms of like living but at least it didn't have like a mind of its own <laughs> like a serpent-headed tail you're just like it's gonna see me no matter what i do <laughs> like, i can never me. run yeah like the sphinx tries to kill you and the tail just turns to you and it's just like it's just like either pissed off or like done with you all the time anyways i had a snake that's a story for another time on this podcast but like what is it like the t- and like the sphinx didn't talk imagine if the serpent tail just turns around and starts talking smack like like you're trying to answer a riddle and the tail's just like well that's not it like, <laughs> i would probably just lose my mind it's a man they're lucky i didn't grow up in ancient Greece. <laughs> the monsters i would have come up with like imagine like in another timeline it's me writing all of these accounts down and there's some other some other white passing woman <laughs> talking about blood and guts he's just like anyways this one writer genesis made a monstrosity of an animal with 40 heads and each one just insults you until you die like <laughs> Oh my god. I would have done so well in ancient Greece. Besides the fact that I'm a woman. Yeah, bes- <laughs> and also- besides the fact that you had <laughs> zero rights. If I had been rich in ancient Greece, I would have had stories to tell. <laughs> you would have purchased a thousand sphinx-like... I would have owned a sphinx. Okay. You would have purchased like a thousand sphinx sculptures of yourself. And I Look, if they were real, I would want to raise a sphinx the way that you like raise a cat from a kitten like imagine having like a little sphinx cub i mean it's just a roly-poly little it's a small kitty it's an it is a small kitty. kitty until it turns out itty bitty kitty until it turns out to like eat you when it's older you know it wouldn't because it would love me okay i would treat it right it would eat everyone else that Good. ever comes close to you some people deserve it Okay, I have a list. Fair enough. <laughs> we would both find ourselves with a lot less people in our lives, and we would be happy about it because there would be a big kitty. Okay, that's all we need. Um, moving on to the riddle of the Sphinx. Ew. I'm ready. Um, there was a single Sphinx in Greek mythology, um, unlike the Egyptian Sphinxes, which were just <laughs> everywhere. Um, Uh, It's described by some as the Sphinx, the watchdog that presideth over evil days. What? (laughs) That's incredible. (laughs) Hello! Um, According to Hesiod, um, the Sphinx, also known by her street name, Fix. (laughs) Um, She was the daughter of Orthus, which is the two-headed dog who guarded Darien's cattle. And either the Chimera, probably which we'll get into later. Um, Echidna, a monstrous half-woman, half-snake being. Um, not was- not to be confused with the adorable animal that is real. And no, 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 this living. is the maid of Typhon. Really bad, not great. Wait, was she, is she Egyptian or Greek? She sounds familiar. Greek. She's in Percy Jackson. Okay, <laughs> that's why, <laughs> that's why she sounds familiar. Um, or the Sphinx could have been the daughter of Keto, who was the primordial sea goddess in Greek mythology, um, known as the mother of sea monsters. Which that once definitely, again, that definitely happened in Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters. 
I don't know. I think she does pop up, but it might she, be. She I totally in, has to like, pop up. In aquarium. I think it might be Heroes of Olympus. God, how are you so good at remembering the Percy Jackson series? I just have a great memory. Okay, it's not my fault that you probably forgot what we talked about five minutes ago. Hey, it's not my fault that I have memory loss. It probably is. <laughs> I'm like Dory. <laughs> oh my god. Um, according to Apollodorus in Lasis, she was most definitely the daughter of Echidna and Typhon, which sets her among a lot of other not great things, <laughs> generally. Like, any bad thing you can think of, pretty much trace back to, uh, the power couple right there. Emphasis on power. <laughs> Jesus. Um, the Sphinx is said to have guarded the entrance to the great city of Thebes, asking a riddle to travelers to allow them passage into or out of the city. Um, the exact riddle asked by the Sphinx was not actually specified by, like, the earliest tellers of the myth i don't know what other words say but it's tellers i'm just making this crap up on the spot <laughs> um i wasn't it was not standardized as the one most people are familiar with until like way later in greek history um however whatever the riddle ended up being uh she effectively prevented anyone from leaving or entering the city for like a significant amount of time <laughs> which i think is so funny like what an easy monster to avoid. I'd just be like, you know what? I don't really need to go anywhere. I'm okay. Here in the city of Thebes. I'll just I'll okay. stay in my house. The like only Sphinx Greek mythology. Um known as the winged Sphinx of Boeotian Thebes, uh most famous ever in legend. Uh had a riddle that was actually taught to her by the muses. Um, it was said in later lore that Hera or Ares sent the Sphinx from her Ethiopian homeland to Thebes um, to, like, plague the town as a punishment for some, like, ancient crime or whatever. Just generally preying on the youth who would come to, like, best it and just overall making the city, like, suffer. Um, which is super interesting because, like, in all the accounts that I read, they always remember the fact that, like, it didn't come from there. Like, she had, like, a foreign origin. They were like, I don't know what this thing is, but I know it didn't come from here. Like, which made her even more of, like, the creepy monster. Because, you know, nobody trusts people who aren't the same. Yeah. Same as any other creature. Just wait until I get into vampires on this podcast. See, see all of history. Yeah. When I get into vampires on this podcast, it will be a yearly event. We will not do a single case talking about anything else. You'll want to. And I will, like, hold a gun to your head. But anyways, she's in Thebes, terrorizing the people, asking all the passerby, easily the most famous riddle in history. I'm going to read you the original version first, which was, which creature has one voice and yet becomes four-footed, two-footed, then three-footed? However, the more familiar version that is included in, like, TV shows, riddle books, whatever today, is the... What goes on four feet in the morning, two feet at noon, and three feet in the evening? Am I supposed to answer? You can try. Isn't it like a person? Yeah. Because yeah. like baby and then human and then elderly person with cane. Yes. Um, for people who couldn't answer the riddle, she would strangle and devour them. <laughs> that was a, a, a rash escalation i don't kink shame okay 
I do. You might. I I belong to a very supportive community, and I don't put down other women. I don't. I there needs to be representation for people on this podcast who are dumb and that representation is me I would love to be strangled and devoured by the sphinx I would love to get up all it get all up in that okay yum I'm sure um, you would I woo, okay um it was said that the road past Mount Bicyon where the sphinx awaited her victims was just straight up strewn with bones of everybody who couldn't find the right answer which like it was a problem like you couldn't go anywhere i would have hated to be a person who was like i'm just gonna go on a trip to thebes i'm just gonna go see the city of thebes and then you just get eaten like what that would suck anyone yeah thebes, though? like just stay in your houses this is super easy it's like the plot of jaws just don't get in the water <laughs> just go go swimming easy the things that would crawl up on land and knock on your door. No, you're fine. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. I'm very passionate about how stupid Jaws is. <laughs> and it's a long movie. For what? There's a shark in the water. That's it. That's where he lives. That is literally his home. That's the same thing as someone being like, oh my god, Sarah's in her house. <laughs> Sarah was spotted through her bedroom window but it was re- it was a really like, big shark so therefore it was a problem it was fine all you needed to do was stay in your home just don't go swimming for a day that was the big problem it's like as long as the constant food source is there the shark isn't going to leave <laughs> don't swim <laughs> go drive somewhere else just any other part of the beach it's just the one part drive 20 miles straight up and go swim. True. Oh. Anyways, I hate Jaws. Okay. <laughs> um, the regents of Thebes, King Crayon, offered the throne to anyone who would destroy the monster. Um, which is where we get to Oedipus, who probably everybody knows for probably very different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, solve the riddle and rid Thebes of its plague while he was fleeing from Corinth. Uh, by answering, like you said, man who crawls on all fours as a baby, walks on two feet as an adult, and then uses, like, a cane, walking stick in old age. Um, by some accounts, but much more rarely, there was a second riddle, which would have sucked to find that out. <laughs> Especially because nobody made it by the first. Like, imagine you get the first one, right? And then she's just like, okay, the next one? Like, <laughs> I would strangle myself. Like... <laughs> Like, you think you did it. And then she's like, no. Like, nobody gets any warning. Um, This one is, there are two sisters. One gives birth to the other, and she, in turn, gives birth to the first. Who are the two sisters? Wait. Say it again. There are two sisters. Okay. One gives birth to the other, and she, in turn, gives birth to the first. Who are the two sisters? Can I have a hint? No. What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Sisters, okay. Sisters, think, so obvi- think obviously more not like human. obscure. Right. So not think human. Big picture. Sisters, like the sun and moon. Like day You're, and night. 
Yeah, that's the answer. Oh my god, I'm so smart! <laughs> the answer to the second riddle is day and night, as both of those words are actually feminine in ancient Greek, which is why they're sisters. God, I love girl boss girl <laughs> boss moment. I'm the girl boss of this podcast, I just <laughs> figured that out. Um, the second riddle is also found in a Gaston version of the myth, meaning that it could be actually pretty ancient, so even though it's much, like, rarely occurring it still has some credibility to it it's not like somebody just made it up on like a blog one day which i think is always great when doing research (laughs) to find that out um that's either way best at last the sphinx then threw herself from her high rock to her death dramatic um in some versions oedipus actually killed her himself which looking at him (laughs) no he did not um, and an alternative version tells that she actually, like, devoured herself, like, in shame. Some monuments of, like, a classical age show Oedipus in, like, some form of armed combat with the Sphinx, um, suggesting this earlier stage of the legend in which, like, their contest was physical instead of, like, the mental, like, combat of, like, ooh, use your big old brain power. Um, and it also suggests that this theme was perhaps adopted from like the Middle East rather than Greek literature. Um, in both cases, Oedipus can therefore be recognized as a form of like liminal or threshold figure. Um, in this case, helping affect the transition between like the older religious practices represented by the death of the Sphinx and the rise of like the newer, more improved Olympian gods. So like death of monstrous tradition and like yay beefy rapist man <laughs> which what a downgrade um oh my god since then there have been several mythic anthropological parody and uh psychoanalytic interpretations of the riddle of the sphinx and oedipus's answer to it and oedipus as a whole that's a story for another time um <laughs> you can say that <laughs> no no i no i mean it is a story i assume most people know this story oedipus had a lot of problems he, he did a lot have of, a lot of problems. he had a lot of mommy issues yeah and daddy issues yeah yeah some of these issues were external and some of them were a little more internal okay overall um, just <laughs> Anyways, um, from this tale, um, apparently grew the legend that the Sphinx was pretty much all-knowing, hence why she was just dishing out, you know, mental challenges rather than, like, the version in which Oedipus has to, like, try and hand-to-hand the girl of my dreams. (laughs) Um, Even today, the wisdom of the Sphinx is pretty much proverbial, like... That's why it's still on the cover, like, riddle books, everything else. The Sphinx is known to be smart and clever and gorgeous. <laughs> you added you added that last part in yourself. I, I started taking a lot less notes. A lot of this is just me thinking. Like, I'm not reading a whole lot anymore, which makes me feel good, but also explains a lot of what I do. Um... <laughs> Uh, moving on from Egypt and Greece, which is like normally all people talk about in regards to the Sphinx. True. My baby. Okay. Um, through Egyptian influence, um, we're going to move into South and Southeast Asia. Ooh, a little, um, little, little traveling. We're cool. Yeah, we're going, we're going over the world today. 
Um, through Egyptian influence, uh, the Sphinx became known in Asia with a slightly uncertain meaning. Um, the Sphinx didn't actually like occur or like land in Mesopotamia until about 1500 BC, um, clearly imported from the Levant. Um, it was a composite mythological being, the body of a lion, head of a human being. Um, it's present all over the traditions, mythology, and art of South and Southeast Asia. Um, with a variety of names, often translated into man-beast, man-cat, man-lion, or just generally, like, a man-lion deity, which I feel like that's really all you need to know. <laughs> like, there's a man, there's a cat, maybe, and also, it's powerful. I think it really just sums it all up. Um, in appearance, the Asian Sphinx differed from its Egyptian model, most noticeably in the addition of wings, to the Leonine body, like, this was where the idea of sphinxes, like, being shown all the time with wings came from, and where it became, like, central to the idea of what this creature is, before it was just mostly focused on lion, human, done. This is where it became, like, pretty common. Which I love! I love when Kitty Joe Burr in the Dwells! <laughs> um, and then this was a feature that continued through its subsequent history in Asia, and then into the Greek world, which is why any portrayal of Oedipus in the Sphinx, she got wings. Um, speaking of which, another innovation was the idea that the Sphinx was a female, which first began to appear in 15th century BC. For that, it was like the Andro Sphinx that I was talking about before. Head of a man. Boring. Seen it before. <laughs> I want a woman. <laughs> in more ways than one. Um... She was seen on seals, ivories, metalwork. Um, the Sphinx was portrayed sitting on its haunches, often with, like, one paw raised, either, like, resting on a column or, like, a vase or something else. Um, and she was frequently paired up with, like, lion symbolism, a griffin, or just another Sphinx. I like that she has friends. I know. She has all her, all her besties. She's so popular. I know. Yeah. Spain's driven lion. <laughs> Girl bosses. Yeah, like, besties. Love it. Oh, I wish I had a friend group like that. What a trifecta. <laughs> um, in contrast to the sphinxes in Egypt, Mesopotamia, and Greece, um, of which the traditions have largely been lost due to just the discontinuity of the civilization, you know, <laughs> kind of fell apart. Um, the traditions related to the so-called Asian Sphinxes are very much alive today, which is one of my favorite things ever about just Asia in general. Like, a lot of their history isn't left behind in the past. It carries through today. And even if people aren't actively practicing versions of it, there exists enough, like, written oral tradition that you just, there's enough to learn from. And you don't really get that. Yeah. And any of these other ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, even now, like, all the stuff we do, like, we talked about this a ton in some of my, like, anthropology classes. Like, even though a lot of our data storage right now is thought to be, like, permanent, like, so many technological advances have been made in the years that, like, some forms of, like, data storage that we used 20 years ago, like, you can't access anymore unless you have something able to compute that specific thing. Even, like, a VCR. Like, you have to have something that is compatible with the VCR, or you don't get to know what's on it. 
So as soon as, like, the machine goes away, all of that information is therefore lost. Right. But, like, from all these cultures and everything, like, especially in Egypt, where, like, the first everything was made, like, some of the first coin systems, some of the first writing systems, first documentations of stuff, like, they don't lose stuff, okay? Everywhere else loses stuff. Right. Greece alone. Library of Alexandra, gone. Greece is a menace to society. I just, I mean, in Egypt, sadly, I mean, the pyramids alone, like, looters, everything. Hollywood definitely didn't help with that. Like, people just take stuff. Yeah. In Asia, they haven't really experienced a ton of, like, monumental, catastrophic, like, loss of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Everything is very active, very accessible, really cool as hell. Yeah. This was a large detour, but it has a very important message. That's our PSA, okay? It's good to remember things. But it's also important to realize that the way that we remember them means that they might not stick around forever. So you have or to unlike me, I just don't document. have a memory. Yeah, you're just going to be wiped from the records. <laughs> yeah. It's never your own fault. Yeah, that's the PSA. Like, we have to find a way to remember stuff. Or we will just be another piece of history that's just get swiped away and it's not because like we were the organic material from thirteen thousand years ago that fades with like the passage of time it's gonna be because we were so technologically smart that we were so anthropologically stupid <laughs> yeah you're right that's our curse we just keep making new stuff without thinking about old stuff but anyways i love asia i would love to visit anywhere in asia maybe not russia probably not too well in russia I love to go to Russia, but I would have to change certain things about myself. <laughs> certain intrinsic things about myself in <laughs> Russia. But anyways, um, some of the earliest artistic depictions of sphinxes from the South Asian subcontinent are to some extent influenced by the like Hellenistic art and writings, um, hailing from the period where Buddhist art underwent a phase of Hellenistic influence. Um, numerous sphinxes are seen on the gateways of the Barhat Stupa, um, dating to around 1st century BC. So, coming up on Common Era! Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, in South India, the sphinx is referred to as the Purusham Riga in Sanskrit, or Purusham Irudam in Tamil, both meaning human beast. Once again, all you need to know. That's it. Yeah, man, and you got the animal, and that's enough. Um, it is found depicted in sculptural art in temples and palaces, where it serves an apotropaic purpose, um, which just generally means intended to drive away harm or evil influences, just as the sphinxes do in other parts of the ancient world. Um, it is said by tradition to take away the sins of the devotees when they enter a temple and to ward off any form of evil in general. Um, therefore, it was often found in, like, an almost strategic position on, like, a temple gateway or by an entrance to a Sanctum Sanctorum, which, oh, what a, I would love a Sanctum Sanctorum, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Yum. Um, the Purusham Riga plays a significant role in daily as well as yearly ritual life of South Asian Shaiva temples. Um, in the 16 honors ritual performed between one and six times, 
um, at significant sacred moments throughout the day. It decorates one of the lamps of the lamp ceremony, and in several temples, the Purushamrita is also one of the vehicles of the deity during the festival processions. I'd love for a sphinx to be my, my vehicle. Okay? <laughs> Hello? That's like how to train your dragon, but like lateral, like you hop to the side. Hello? Um, anyways, I'm in love. <laughs> I've fallen in love. Um, in Kanya Kumari district, um, during the night of Shiva Ratri, um, devotees run 25 kilometers while visiting and worshiping at 12 Shiva temples. Um, this, it's aptly titled The Run for Shiva, is performed in commemoration of the story of the race between the Sphinx and Mahima, one of the heroes of the epic Mahabharata. Um... I love history. Anyways. <laughs> um, the Indian conception of a sphinx is closest to like the classic Greek idea. Um, this is the concept of the Shrava. Um, it was a mythical creature, part lion, part man, part bird. So same same parts we've been dealing with this whole time. Um, the form of Shrava that the god Shiva took um, was a sphinx. Uh, took on to counter uh, Narasimha's violence. Um, in Sri Lanka and India, the Sphinx is known as Narasimha, or man-lion, body of a lion, head of a human being, <laughs> standard stuff. <laughs> wild. Um, in Burma, it's known as the Manusia, or the Manuthia, uh, depicted on the corners of Buddhist stupas. Uh, legend, legend tells how it was created by Buddhist monks to protect a newborn royal baby from being devoured by ogresses. Dang. I know. What an epic, like, imagine, like, you're a baby, and they're just like, by the way, this happened to you. Like, you wouldn't even know. They'd be like, oh, by the way, you were almost eaten at, like, one hour old. Like, I would never yeah. get over that. What an epic origin story. Um, Moving on to Thailand, Nora Nair, Nora Singh, and Thep Nora Singh are three names under which the Swings is known. Um, it's depicted as upright walking beings with the lower body of a lion or a deer, however, with the upper body of that of a human. The only thing I can think of right now is Hannibal. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, didn't need that. Very, like, satyr-esque, if you go for, like, the deer route. Fawn, yeah. Which I feel like is less terrifying than the lower half of a lion. Like yeah. that balance, like that balance just must be very odd mm-hmm. or I mean it says that they're upright so I feel like I would struggle having that lower body but you know what it would still freak me out and I feel like that is kind of the point um, it's, they were often found in female male pairs serving as a protective function um, they were enumerated among the mythological creatures that inhabit the ranges of the sacred mountain Himapan uh, moving on to Europe, like I said before, the Sphinx enjoyed a major revival in the European decorative art from pretty much the Renaissance onwards, which I feel like is true of a lot of stuff. <laughs> they just blew up during this time and then never really went away because everybody looked back at the Renaissance and was like, we should keep doing this, and then we just never stopped. So we don't do anything original ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, the revived manor sphinx of the late 15th century is sometimes thought of as the French sphinx. Um, her coiffed head is erect. She has the breasts of 
generally considered to be a young woman. Uh, she wears eardrops and ornamental curls, um, and her body naturalistically is rendered as a recumbent lioness. Um, such fences were revived when the grotesque or grotesque decorations of Nero were brought to light in the late 15th century Rome. Talked about that last episode if you didn't listen already. Yeah, go listen. <laughs> oh my god, it all, it all comes together. You thought the only joining link was that they're all lions? Joke's on you. I know my history. <laughs> um, she was thus incorporated into the classical vocabulary of arabesque designs that spread just pretty much throughout Europe in engravings during the 16th and 17th centuries. Um, sphinxes were included in the decoration of the loggia of the Vatican Palace by the workshop of Raphael, um, which updated the vocabulary of the Roman grotesque. Um, the first appearances of sphinxes in French art um, are at the school of Fontainebleau in around like the 1520s, 1530s. Like I said, some of these dates are not able to be pinned down because that's how mm-hmm. history works. Um, it continues into the late Baroque style of the French Regence, which lasted from about, from what I can recall, like 1715 to 1724-23-ish. I love that I remember this, but American history, no chance. <laughs> I just what single thing happened. Um, from France, she generally spread throughout Europe, uh, becoming a regular feature of the outdoor, like, decorative sculpture of, like, you can probably picture this in your head, like, any 18th century, like, palace, garden. Like, any huge place ever, you have the, enough gardens to probably fit in a tent holding every person in the world. These were just around. And if I had an 18th century palace garden, you bet your ass I would have had at least one sphinx in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she would have looked hot. Um, they were seen in the Upper Belvedere Palace in Vienna, uh, La Granja in Japan, or in the late Rococo examples and grounds of the Portuguese Quilus National Palace, dating to around, I think, the 1760s, um, complete with, like, ruffs and clothed chests ending in, like, a little cape. <laughs> so you can tell when times changed when they started to have clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sphinxes are a feature of the neoclassical interior decorations of Robert Adam and his followers. Um, and here we return closer to, like, the undressed style of grotesques. Um, they had an equal appeal to artists and designers of the Romanticism and subsequent symbolism movements throughout the 19th century. Um, and most of these sphinxes alluded to the Greek sphinx in the myth of Oedipus rather than the Egyptian version, although they may not have had wings. This is, I think, the most art history you're ever going to get in your life. <laughs> and half of this, I didn't even have to look up. You know how sad that is? I'm not even in art school. How many you just knew? Um, the Sphinx image has also been adopted into Masonic architecture. Um, among Egyptians, the Sphinxes were placed on the entrances to certain temples in order to, like, guard mysteries. Um, in general, warning that their knowledge must be concealed from the uninitiated. Um, Jean-Francois Champollion, um, who was an Egyptologist known for translating the Rosetta Stone, go Jean-Francois, love you, um, <laughs> says that the Sphinx became successively the symbol of each of the gods, and their placement expresses the idea that all gods were somewhat hidden from the people, 
um, the knowledge of them was guarded in sanctuaries, which was then revealed to initiates like when the time came. Um, as a Masonic emblem, the Sphinx has been adopted in its Egyptian character as a symbol of mystery. Um, and as such, is often found as a decoration sculptured in front of Masonic temples or engraved at the head of Masonic documents. Well, a little bit of history for you. <laughs> um, we're moving into pop culture for not a while because there is, to be perfectly honest, not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I looked for a while. Um, I looked for stuff that was only mentioning, like, the creature. There are tons of appearances of, like, the statue. I'm pretty sure it appears in, like, Sophia the First or something. I mean, little <laughs> Einsteins. Like, anywhere that involves travel or, like, any kid show about, like, experiencing the world around you. It's in there. Yeah. Never-ending story, maybe. It doesn't have, like, lasers shooting out of their eyes. Ye- definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't write down appearances of statues of the monster because that's ridiculous. And I would like you to sleep at some point. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want this piece to be four hours long. I don't want that to happen. Um, but anyways, Creature appears very briefly in the book Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. It's one of the monsters in the maze. It's mentioned for, like, two seconds. I think she, like, tells him a riddle, and he either, like, barely answers it, or it's literally just, like, I'm so tired, and she just, like, leaves. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do remember that. Yeah, it's, like, a little paragraph. Um, there's a man-headed sphinx who appears in the 2016 film Gods of Egypt. I have no memory of the rest of this movie, except for this singular scene in the movie, because Chadwick Boseman plays Thoth, the god of wisdom, and they all have disgusting accents. Like, I think the Sphinx is, like, a little British. Chadwick is, like, not Egyptian. <laughs> like, nobody there sounds like they know where they are. Yeah. It sounds like they all picked different accents, and they were like, if we just throw in a little sand, they'll know we're in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. But, okay, so here's the rule from the movie that I'm going to tell you, because it's easy. I never was, am always to be, no one ever saw me, nor ever will, and yet I am the confidence of all those who live and breathe. Well, you might have got me here. Hold on. <laughs> um, say it again. I never was, am always to be. Time. No one, no. <laughs> no one ever saw me, nor ever will, and yet I am the confidence of all those who live and breathe. Huh? That doesn't make sense. Do I know the answer? No, there's no answer. I chat with, like, guesses a couple times. Like, I think he's like, order. And the Sphinx is like, no. (laughs) Like, he gets, like, three tries, oddly. And, of course, they're down to the last one. Okay, whatever answer is, it's it's stupid. The answer is tomorrow. That's dumb. It's one that's of, like, not that's that doesn't sound right it's one of like the most well-known riddles ever i don't know it's not yes it is no it's not because um, i didn't know anyways it. the i think the voice and like motion capture for the sphinx was done by kenneth ransom but okay after they finally give i this is the only reason i bring this up i want to mention this movie otherwise i think it's bad but so after they finally give the response of tomorrow do you want to know what the sphinx says in response what verbatim okay an exact quote you could watch the scene any of you listening you can type this scene up in youtube this is literally what he says he just goes oh bother and turns around that's hilarious are you kidding me 
Hello, you are a sphinx of ancient Egypt. You are living in the sand and pyramids. You are surrounded by other gods only. And where did you learn? Who taught you this? <laughs> who taught you to say, oh, bother? That's the real riddle. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> Dime, <laughs> tell me what? Tell me right now. Who sat down and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid riddle, stupid riddle. Here's your answer. Anyways, I'm going to teach you the lingo of not ancient Egypt. <laughs> So you can properly express your frustration <laughs> to these random people. I hate yeah, it. it is terrible. I am begging you to look up this scene after this. It is terrible. People like open their mouth to talk, and I'm always like, "Huh?" This yeah, it. like doesn't make any sense. The choices were made in that movie, and they were each and every one of them the wrong one. Yeah. You're like, right, you right. can't ever make any that's what that's what you know what that is what inspires me to continue with this podcast because no matter what i do it will never be as much of a colossal mess as the movie gods of egypt <laughs> okay oh my god you have to do that after you have to tell me that. i will anyways that's like all i had i could not find anything else that was like concrete enough fair enough which is like there were some like obscure like egyptology movies but like it's nothing anybody is like familiar with nor do they appear for a sizable chunk of time for me to be like oh my god if you really want to see a sphinx in action watch this movie it's like for two seconds or they say oh bother like i'm not subjecting anyone to that yeah i can't do that but yeah this was the sphinx all over the world what a girl boss is traveling all around the world telling riddles with like no clothes on at all times. I that's what I'm saying. Okay, I need you to get really rich and support <laughs> me, and I will just do everything. Like I'll wear shirts, but like with holes. Okay, <laughs> the bare minimum. Be, I deserve to be free. Emphasis on bare. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Do you have a PSA since it's my case again? Do you have anything? Besides my like really deep talk about losing history. <laughs> um, PSA, if a cat woman approaches you and te- asks a riddle, um, just try your best. Think outside the box. Maybe <laughs> Google it on the offhand if you can like reach your phone. Um, but a great a great feline friday once again as always you can look at the wonderful art on instagram at blood and guts pod we're on twitter at blood underscore guts pod you can email us case suggestions if you have met a sphinx tell us about her (laughs) um um what else can you email us Um, anything pictures of your cats I will edit them to look like any one of our felines. All you have to do is Yeah, ask. just, 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 will you do that with my cats? Maybe. We'll see. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. They ask you, yeah, she asks you a riddle. Tell her she's pretty. Good luck, everybody. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that all of our social media? Okay. All right. We're, we're good. Done. Okay. Okay. Cover all the bases. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.